How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola energy. Energy you want, taste you love. Hey there, I'm not going to set you free. We're going to set you free. I'm Leslie Marshall in Los Angeles. He is Brad Bannon. And Brad, are you in Boston or D.C. this week? Today I'm in glorious uh, Boston today. About to get that March, spring, winter, or spring snowstorm. (laughs) Yeah, we're due for about three or four inches, uh, so happy welcome to spring for everybody. You know, uh, we need to talk about a lot of stuff uh, in this hour, and I'm glad to have you with me, as you are every Friday hour, too. Um, I keep showing up like a bad penny. uh, Let's talk about Iran. Iran and six world powers, of which we are one, suspended negotiations on this nuclear deal. It's a very historic nuclear deal. Um, They're set to convene again later next week. They're at a deadlock, and they hope to break that deadlock. The deadlock is over sensitive atomic research and lifting of sanctions. It sounds like the deadlock is pretty much over the meat of the entire negotiation and the entire conversation. Uh, They want their sanctions lifted. Uh, We don't want further uh, uranium enrichment uh, and certainly uh, atomic uh, research. Um, Talk to us about this deadlock. And, you know, obviously this makes somebody like Netanyahu smile today, but this doesn't mean that there's not going to be a deal, right? Well, no, uh, they have until uh, March, the last day of this month. They're under a deadline to reach some kind of agreement or not by March 31st. So if they meet again next week, they still have time. Uh, You know, I'm sure there are a lot of people who are happy. that the negotiation broke down, uh, I'm, as you said, and Yahoo, I'm sure, is thrilled. Uh, probably also the 47 Republican senators uh, who t- wrote a letter to Iran uh, basically sabotaging the no- uh, negotiations show between the 47 Republican senators and Netanyahu, fine. Uh, anybody who has a kid who's draft age it could be sent to fight in a war in Iran, it's not a good thing. Uh, most, most definitely. Is John Kerry the one to broker such a deal? He's the Secretary of State. That's why. I know. I know his position State. is, but I mean, is he? You know, looking at his background, uh, do you think that John Kerry will, if anybody, be the one that's able to succeed? Uh, yeah, I think uh, you know Kerry is specialized uh, all the time. He was in the Senate. He was on the Foreign Relations Committee. Uh, and in case people forget, he was a combat veteran in Vietnam, so he knows what war is like firsthand. I think he's the perfect guy. Okay. So, um, what, what have you had to predict? Since you're a predictor guy, and I go to you for prediction, what do you think is going to happen? Or do you think that everybody's going to back into separate corners and nothing will be done and Netanyahu will have a party? I think some my uh, this is my prediction. I'm a lot better predicting presidential politics than I am international affairs. But I think by March 31st there'll be some kind of agreement. Uh, every both parties have an interest in doing this thing. Uh, Iran is suffering economically because of the sanctions. 
the economy is a mess uh, because of the sanctions, and the people are unhappy. Uh, the Iranians are unhappy because the economy is so bad. So they got to get these sanctions lifted. And uh, the United States, Russia, China, uh, France, and Germany all want uh, to uh, basically neutralize nuclear weapons in Iran. So yeah, I think they're going to come some some sort of agreement uh, by the end of the month. And. You know, what will happen being that Netanyahu, you know, when we look at Israel and their concerns about this, that he clearly doesn't want this deal. He really doesn't have a say, correct? No, he doesn't. Uh, he's not uh, a part of the United States government the last time I checked. Uh, <laughs> well, no, but not it's not just the United States. There are other nations that are part yeah, of the state. Uh, yeah, there are, as you said, there are six nations altogether, and they're basically the big world powers, and Israel is not one of the nations. Uh, most definitely. Um, what happens then? There are people that feel that um, Netanyahu will strike against Iran, strike first for fear of them striking him, A, and B, the reality is that Iran could already have or maybe has had for years a nuclear weapon. We really don't know. Um, And whether there's a deal or not, they still could bomb uh, Israel, and they still may have a nuclear weapon and not bomb Israel, just like to scare them all the time. Uh, yeah, uh, most analysts believe, intelligent people, intelligence people believe they don't have a nuclear weapon yet, uh, but you know could put probably put one together uh, in a year unless uh, they get frozen by these negotiations. Uh, and uh, you know, I mean, basically, what bothers me about this whole situation is there are some people. And I would include the 47 Republican senators who signed that treacherous letter last week, uh, who aren't going to be happy with any negotiated agreement. I mean, they've already decided it's a bad agreement without having any clue what's in it. And so, and so what's the alternative to that? Okay, we go to war. Uh, the 47 Republican senators could prepared to send uh, American kids back in the Middle East, because if this negotiation doesn't work out and the Republican senators don't want it to work out, uh, the obvious next step is to war, and that's the last thing we need. Um, I, 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 I want to know why the American people should, well, first of all, do you think this is a good deal that the United States and the president leading these nations wants, um, or do you think it's a, a bad deal? There are some people that definitely side with the Netanyahu opinion, which is, you know, there should be no deal uh, with uh, Iran and no sanctions should ever be lifted. Well, uh, I think it, it's possible to get a good deal. Uh, and the reason I feel that way is, for instance, the Germans. Uh, we wouldn't be in range, probably, of any Iranian nuclear attack, uh, but the Germans and French probably would. Uh, and they don't want Iran to have a nuclear weapon. And my guess is they won't sign an agreement unless they feel confident that uh, Iran's not going to get a new one. Most definitely. Um, You know, when we talked about what we wanted to talk about today, and we have a number of things that we're going to talk about, um, you know, one, uh, you you know, uh, one of which most definitely is uh, this situation um, with Iran. And, you know, why why is this a top of mind issue for you? Not that it's just, you know, a news issue, but top of mind for you. 
Well, it is because, I mean, I think we're in a very dangerous place now, and I think we have been in a very dangerous place since the Republican senators sent the Ayatollahs that letter last week. Uh, because if, these, if they're going to sabotage these negotiations and there's no agreement, there's only one possible way to solve the problem, and that's military force. And it's not just going to be airstrikes, too, because... Uh, I guess 15 years ago, the Israelis, maybe a little longer than that, uh, took out the Iranian nuclear facilities in an airstrike. Uh, they're not going to be able to do that again because the Iranians have cleverly uh, put everything they're doing below ground so they're not susceptible to an air attack. And so if this agreement doesn't work out, we're, we're talking about American boots on the ground. And I just think that would be a terrible mistake. The United States is in no position to fight another Middle East war, and so these negotiations had better work out because American kids are going to die if it doesn't. Oh, no, no question about it. Do, do you think that, if you had to bet money, do you think Iran already has these weapons? I mean, they've been enriching uranium for years. I have talked to a couple of uh, intelligence uh, experts, one I had on your show a few months ago, uh, and he was a former U.S. intelligence officer, uh, and he believes Iran doesn't have a nuclear weapon, but could put one together in about a year. And since he's an expert on the situation, I'm going to go with him. And also when uh, we look at Iran, although we have a more moderate um, political leader that had replaced Ahmadinejad, the new supreme leader seems to be even more to the right of the former supreme leader, and that supreme leader is over Rouhani. So how does that come down? It would seem that the religious faction of Iran's leaders don't uh, want a deal, but Rouhani realizes the economic impact that these sanctions have had and how necessary it is to have those loosened, or if he can get as many, if not all of it, lifted off of off of. Uh, yeah, well, you're absolutely right. The politics in Iran is very delicate. Uh, you have a prime minister who's considered a moderate, who desperately wants to come to some sort of agreement uh, with the other world powers, and you have the Ayatollahs uh, who don't want any kind of deal it, uh, at all. And see, going back to that letter, which I think was a horrible thing to do, uh, essentially what the 47 Republican senators did is they gave the Ayatollahs ammunition against the moderates uh, by saying, okay, we don't want the agreement either. So that strengthened the hand of the Ayatollahs at the expense of the moderate elements who want a treaty, which is why I think that letter was so dangerous. Um, we're going to take a break. We'll be back shortly. I'm Leslie Marshall in Los Angeles. He's Brad Bannon in Boston. We co-host Hour 2 every Friday here on the only true democracy in talk radio. Tweet, follow me on Twitter at Leslie Marshall. Follow Brad at Brad Bannon 1. And you can send emails to LeslieMarshallShow.com. Brad is president and CEO of Bannon Communications Research. Check out his site, BannonCR.com. We're going to take a break. We'll be back after this. Don't go away. We're back. I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome, welcome back. Only True Democracy and Talk Radio. I am talking with Brad Bannon. He is in Boston. I am in Los Angeles. And I mentioned Netanyahu. So let's talk about uh, Netanyahu. Um, Netanyahu had always said, Brad, that he was in favor of peace negotiations. He wanted to sit down with Mahmoud, uh, Mahmoud Abbas, um, uh, the leader of the uh, you know uh, Palestinian state. Uh, part of the Palestinian state, obviously Hamas the other, 
um, and, and, and talk about a two-state solution, recognizing the Palestinian territories um, as a state. Prior to the election, he continued with that until the 11th hour when the polls showed him trailing. And then he made disparaging remarks about Arabs, who Arab Israelis make up less than 20% of the population, and uh, in an interview, you know, boldly said that there would be no two-state solution if he were reelected. Now, the European Union, which he needs financially, and the United States, which he certainly needs financially, and both the U.S. and the EU, which he needs politically and as allies and militarily. Israel may have the strongest army in the world, but they don't necessarily have the strongest Navy, Air Force, Coast Guard, and Marines. Um, you know, right now, um, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu seems to be backtracking from that declaration uh, prior to the election, that, that statement that no Palestinian state would be established on his watch. Um, this, um, you know, the, the president and his administration clearly are infuriated. Do you think anybody's buying this backpedaling? And, you know, was he lying then or is he lying now? Well, that's a very good question, Leslie. As you said, two days before the election, he said he would not accept a Palestinian state under his uh, watch. And then the day after the election, he basically said, oh, I was just saying, I was just kidding. Uh, and now he's back in favor of... Got the- your vote. Thanks. Screw you. But I don't think that is the thing. It's, you know, I mean, it, that's an important fundamental issue. You can't change your mind on an issue like that. You're either for it or against it. Now, what, let's say there's another round of negotiations uh, between the European Union and the Palestinians and the Israelis. And the Palestinians come to the table and say, why should we cut a deal with this guy? He lies. Uh, and uh, so, you know, I basically what Netanyahu did by rever- zigzagging so much over this issue in the last few days is he basically sabotaged the next round of negotiations. Uh, let, let You know, let's also talk about, you, you know, I mean, can he keep one foot in, in each side? He really can't. I mean, he has said he would build more into the settlements, and he certainly has been building, uh, you know, more housing in the settlements in, in the years past. Um, you know, much to the anger and opposition of not just the United States, but many in the international community. And speaking of the international community, the Palestinians are reaching out to the international community. Uh, Yes, they're applying for full membership in the United Nations. Uh, And then uh, at that point, when they get to that point, there's going to be a big fight on that uh, because uh, the Israelis will try to stop it. And in the past, whenever the Palestinians have applied to be a separate nation in the representative of the United Nations. Uh, the United States has used its uh, veto power uh, to kill the deal. Uh, but it's not going away because just about every other country in the world wants to recognize the Palestinians. And th- this is just a mess. You know, the reality is, in order to receive some kind of agreement between the Israelis and the Palestinians, they're both going to have to give up stuff. What the Israelis have to do is basically say, okay, we're not going to build any more settlements in the disputed territory. And what the Palestinians have to do is they have to fully recognize 
Israel's legitimacy as a nation. And neither of them, both of them are hardcore extremists, and no one wants to give. It's sort of like American politics in a lot of ways. And as long as neither side gives, they're not going to have an agreement, and this tension is going to, in the Middle East is just going to go on and on and on. Um, no question about it. And, uh, you know, I have said, you know, there. I heard an interview in NPR today with the uh, negotiator, key negotiator for the Palestinian Authority. And he strongly said, you know, if you want to stop the violence, you have got to give these people what they've been asking. He And then the reporter said, that sounds like a threat. He said, I'm not threatening. And he goes, I'm just warning based on the reality. And he goes, I tell people, you know, we need a peaceful solution. But if you have no hope of a peaceful solution, you might say, well, Hamas, you know, take it away. Well, he's precisely right. If you feel... Uh, the famous mil- German military strategist said, uh, Van Klauswitz once said, war is politics by other means. So if you can't come to a political settlement at the negotiation table, well, there's only one alternative to that, and it's to fight. And that's the last thing anybody needs in the Middle East right now. And so Netanyahu is going to have to back down. The Palestine- extreme Palestinians are going to have to back down. And if not, uh, the Middle East will continue to be a tinderbox for for decades. We'll be back. We'll take a break. I'm Leslie Marshall. Don't go away. Uh, Brad, a lot of things to talk about in this hour. And, uh, of course, um, you know, Hillary Clinton. You ever heard of her? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I have. Uh, Hillary Clinton's name uh, comes up again. Anything with regard to Iran or Netanyahu first, uh, since uh, that was our shortest segment, as you know, in uh, the hour? Uh, well, I guess the one thing I'd like to say about Iran is my mother used to say, you judge people by the company they keep. And there are two parties that desperately don't want uh, a nuclear agreement in Iran, with Iran, uh, the Ayatollahs and uh, Tehran, uh, uh, Tom Cotton and the other 46 Republican senators. They have basically stretched their arms out to the Ayatollahs and said, we're going to help you stop this negotiations. And so, again, my mother was right. You judge people by the company they keep, and the 47 Republican senators are keeping bad company. I I, I want to know – I know we're going to talk budget, but I want to know from you your opinion of a couple of things with Hillary. One, the latest on the donors – um, and not doing what she said, you know, uh, you know, ba- ba- uh, you know, ba- basically, when you look at the news that came out today, um, she had promised, and despite that promise, her charity did not disclose donors. Um, how and, and how big of a deal do you think this Clinton charity issue is? Will there be any political consequences? I mean, how big of a deal do you think this is? And what do you think about? Uh, Gowdy sending the letter requesting the Clinton email server and the subpoenas to the aides and aides of aides before we get into budget. Well, uh, first of all, uh, in regard to Hillary Clinton, uh, since she's left uh, Foggy Bottom as Secretary of State, her favorability, her negative has risen significantly. Now, it was interesting. CNN just released the results of a national survey. Wait a minute. You're saying her her negative is as... Has increased. That does not with the polls show that she still will be the Democratic nominee and still will be any Republican. 
Oh yeah, Democrats still love her, uh, and that's well. Even Repu- some even some Republicans love her. A fifty-three percent view, and where she's hurting is independence. But despite that, and wait, wait. At- why do you say she's hurting among independents? Is that the CNN poll released uh, two days ago? You're talking about? Yeah, there's been significant slippage in her favorability among independents. Democrats know. Democrats don't care. They love her. Uh, but with moderate independent voters, so you think this is going? You think this is going to hurt her? Oh yes, it will. Uh, but the question is how much it will hurt her. Uh, in the same CNN poll, uh, CNN did trial heats between uh, Clinton and all the uh, Republican possible Republican nominees, and uh, Clinton beat each of them by at least ten points. Uh, so she's been wounded. She hasn't been killed, but she's been wounded, and she's still running ahead of the Republicans. What do you think is going to happen? Will Clinton comply with the April uh, 3rd uh, date that she has to comply with uh, Gowdy, or do you think he's going to end up asking the full house to vote on a subpoena, and, and would she really want to drag it out that way? Uh, my guess is she's not going to uh, do it, and the House will issue a subpoena. Uh, and why do you think she won't do it? Uh, for the reason she gave it at a press conference. Uh, the emails she deleted uh, were personal, um, having to do with Hillary, uh, with uh, Chelsea's wedding, uh, her mother's funeral. All right, so wait a minute, doesn't she, but doesn't she also want to be president, and doesn't she realize if she doesn't comply by April 3rd, and uh, so, okay, again, a complete speculation and prediction here, but if she doesn't comply, and you don't think she will by April 3rd, Gowdy, you think, will ask the full House to vote on a subpoena, and you have a Republican-controlled House, they're going to vote on a subpoena. And then, and, what happens, and then what happens? Then she has to comply uh, with that subpoena. Basically, uh, Hillary will ignore the subpoena uh, and will be arguing about this for the next uh, 12 to 14 months or whenever the presidential election is. You really believe that? Yeah. Okay. Okay. And, and what about the charity deal? Uh, you know, I mean, there's no question this is a problem for Hillary. If I was her or if I was advising her, I would tell her just to put every, release everything, put everything in the open, take your lumps, and move on. One of the great things about Hillary Clinton is, you know, she takes a licking, but she keeps on ticking. It's amazing how, considering the fact that she's been attacked and attacked and attacked over the years, that she's still leading every Republican presidential candidate by more than 10 points. And the reality is she has developed an honor where she's impervious to a lot of these attacks. Uh, but she would do herself well if she moves, releases everything uh, and moves on. But I don't think she's going to do that, but that's what I tell her to do. So, uh, you know, you, you don't you don't you think she's going to ignore the subpoena and how badly is it going to hurt her as this is not a kitchen table issue. And this is much more of an inside the beltway issue. So don't you think people are kind of tiring of it? Doesn't isn't, isn't that what polls are showing also? Oh, yeah, it does. I think that's exactly what Hillary Clinton is thinking. People have Americans have tuned out the Republican attacks 
on Hillary Clinton because they always going on. They never stop. And it's like the boy who keeps crying wolf. America, Americans are so tired and bored with the Republican attacks on Clinton, they don't pay attention to them anymore. And that's why Hillary's running double digits ahead of all the Republican presidential candidates, because voters care more about the economy uh, than they do Hillary's email. Okay, and then uh, talk to us lastly, um, and I know you just touched upon, but a little bit more about the Clinton charity issue for people that may not understand. Tell us about this. Okay, well, essentially what's going on, uh, you know, just based on what I've read in the news reports, uh, it's not good stuff. Uh, Basically, uh, what's happening is they're – Taking, uh, they're taking contributions, uh, supposedly for human rights, uh, from countries like Saudi Arabia, who's not exactly a pioneer, uh, in women's rights, since they don't even allow women to drive there, uh, and it looks hypocritical. They're you know, getting money from all sorts of places, and some of the places they're getting the money from are for bad people. Uh, just so that people understand, the Clinton charity is is not just about the Clinton Global Initiative. It's not just about Hillary, though. It, it includes, you know, Bill. It includes uh, Chelsea, and they're and, not, Bill. and they're and they're not right. Right, Bill, former president. They're not running for president. Uh, yeah, but you know the rea- Well, again, it works both ways for Hillary. Uh, this is not the first time that Bill has dragged her into the mud, obviously. But at the same time, this is something Americans could give a good goddamn about because they want to hear what the candidates have to say about jobs. And they hate these discussions about emails and charities because they're not addressing the issues that voters want to address, like the economy, like our relationships with countries in the Middle East. That's what they want to hear about, not this stuff. Uh, and, and the GOP for super PACs accept for, uh, uh, foreign donations. How come the Clinton Global Foundation cannot? Uh, because uh, there's any time it comes, to, especially to Hillary, there's a double standard. Uh, so, you know, so you would agree this is clearly a double standard? Oh, absolutely. I mean, look at what happened last week. Uh, there are two things. I, I was in Washington last, all last week, and there are only two things that people in Washington talked about last week. Hillary's emails and the, uh, the uh, Republican uh, letter to the Ayatollahs. And I would bet you that if you, if you measured all the news coverage on those two issues, that Hillary's emails have got a hell of a lot more attention than the 47 Republican senators who signed that ridiculous letter. But- We're going to take a break. We'll be back. I'm Leslie Marshall. We're back. I'm Leslie Marshall. He's Brad Bannon, president and CEO, who runs Bannon Communications Research, a polling message development media firm, which helps labor unions, progressive issues groups, and Democratic candidates win public affairs and political campaigns. Well, let's talk about the uh, GOP's budget and more so the GOP's budget uh, drama. The House Majority Whip, Steve Scalise, a Republican from Louisiana, wanted to avoid any embarrassing snafus when the GOP budget hit the floor, but... He found trouble and even a week early. Now, he and the GOP leaders found themselves on their heels uh, just the night uh, before last after budget chairman Tom Price's Republican from Georgia first budget markup screeched to a sudden and unexpected halt. Why? Talk about it. What's in it? Well, again, you know, there's a recurring theme with the Republicans here, 
And the recurring theme is they can't get their own act together. Uh, and because they can't get their own act together in their own caucus, uh, they go out there with a divided front, which makes them easy pickings for the president. Uh, again, there was a big argument uh, within the caucus between the Tea Party folks uh, and the uh, so-called moderate conservatives, uh, and the Tea Party folks are angry because they don't think the budget cuts went far enough. And, uh, you know, it's the same old story. Boehner can't, Speaker Boehner can't control his own caucus. He can't control his own caucus. He can't control the House. Okay. So, you know, again, he can't control the House, but Republicans are, in fact, in control. And we pretty much know what their budget's going to say, what it always says, which is, slash uh, entitlement programs, which they like to call them, Social Security, Medicare. Um, You know, do anything you can to take money away from the Affordable Care Act or cut programs like food stamps. In other words, what can we do to benefit the rich and to hurt the middle and lower income uh, portion of the United States? Um, So we're we're not going to see anything or hear anything new in this GOP budget, are we? No, it's uh, you're exactly right. It's business as usual. My favorite statistic from the new Republican budget is there are basically about eight hundred billion dollar cut, eight hundred billion dollars worth of cuts in education, uh, in health care, uh, in transportation, and there are also uh, the Republican budget contains tax breaks uh, to business. And get this, that mount up to about $800 billion. Uh, Tax deferrals for hedge fund managers, uh, freebies to oil companies, uh, deductions for corporate jets, all that equals about $800 billion, and that's exactly what they're cutting from education and health care and transportation. Where, I I mean, the Democrats and the Republicans are never going to agree, and the Democrats really don't have a voice with the number of seats that the House has. I mean, the Republicans have in the House. Oh, no, they don't, but they have the president. And I think what's going to happen is, and bolt yourself into your chair, Leslie, because you're not going to want to hear this, or your listeners, we're headed headed to another budget stalemate later in the year. Uh, The new budget has to be passed and in operation by October 1st of this year. And what I fear is going to happen is going to go back and have the same, uh, you know, stand down because the Republican, the the president uh, won't sign a budget that cuts uh, these programs and also privatizes Medicare. Uh, And we're going to be back to the same old stale budget stalemate we have been in the last few years. So the people understand who may not understand the motivation behind the privatization of Medicare, once again, to uh, line further the rich CEOs in these private corporations' pockets who write checks to our dear Republican friends across the aisle. Uh, Yeah, and basically what the Republicans want to do by privatizing Medicare is give control of your health care benefits to the same brainiacs on Wall Street who brought down the economy in 2008. Now, that makes a hell of a lot of sense, but that's essentially what they're doing. We're going to trust your investments in Wall Street uh, instead of the government. And, you know, these are the same brainiacs who brought down the economy in 2008, and we're going to trust them with your savings for health care in your old age? I don't think so. What bothers you most about this particular GOP and this particular budget? Because you're more of a numbers guy than I am. Well, what bothers me is that the Republicans keep screaming about the need to reduce the deficit. 
but they don't do anything to eliminate or even reduce corporate tax breaks, and they want to increase defense spending. And basically, they're balancing, they're going out for more defense spending and more corporate tax breaks, uh, and they're being, those come from the on the backs of uh, poor kids who are not going to get a meal. Uh, it's coming on the backs of uh, seniors who are going to lose Medicare. Uh, and they just care more about corporate America than they do the average American person. That's what bothers me. Um, let's talk about uh, one of the issues here. One of the issues is even though the Republicans want to reduce the deficit, uh, they want to allow more defense spending. That would add to the deficit. But don't we sometimes have to add to the deficit when we, you know, quite frankly, I think we could use perhaps some more money with defense spending. But at the same time, these guys are talking out of both sides of their mouths, their pens, their votes, because on the one hand, they want to add to the defense. But on the other hand, they want to take away from uh, because we only have temporary funding of uh, the Department of Homeland Security. Well, uh, it's a matter of priorities, Leslie. The only way you can get increased defense spending and keep corporate tax breaks is to screw somebody. And let me tell you, give you an example. The new Republican budget, 8 million college students will lose their Pell Grants because of education cutbacks in the Republican budget. That's what you're doing. So what's more important, building a tank or educating uh, the next wave of leadership in the United States? Right now, whatever the Republicans do, they know the president's going to veto anything that is going to have the cuts that they would have, like you said, to screw somebody. So some Americans say, why bother? This is just a waste of our ta- you know, taxpayer time and money. You know, I mean, I think Americans are tired of all these symbolic gestures of budgets by both left and right. Well, yeah, I think they're, they're tired. I think Americans have up, had it up to here with these budget stalemates, and I'm predicting they're going to be in for another one. And, yeah, I mean, all you have to do is look at how Americans feel about Washington. They hate Washington, and these budget stalemates are the classic reason why they do it. They feel that people in Washington can't do their job. You know, they're doing their job, not getting paid very much for it, but they don't trust the people in Washington to do their job because we keep running into these stalemates on the budget. And when we uh, look at these uh, stalemates, why do you think, you know, because really, when you look at the Budget Committee Republicans, this provision you would think would win over defense hawks, right? And that, that those defense hawks and winning them over would secure enough votes for that budget to clear uh, both the panel and the, uh, the full House next week. Um, but they know there's not enough GOP support to pass um, the amendment that was eventually offered by Congressman Todd uh, Rokita from uh, Indiana, Republican, obviously. And I, I just uh, I'm, I'm wondering, why do you think that it didn't win over the defense hawks or all the defense hawks? And why didn't ha- this have enough votes? I mean, this is clearly up the GOP alley. Well, yeah, and it's because. It's the, the reason they couldn't is that in order to get the defense cuts, uh, they're kicking around seniors and college students. Uh, and yeah, but do, Republic, don't Republicans do that just on a Saturday afternoon for sport? Well, yeah, they do. But, you know, some Republicans, a few Republicans are still in districts that are competitive. And 
the, those were, you know, one of the great ironies of this is with the budget hawks, the Tea Party taking a hard line, the first casualty are going to be the moderately conservative Republicans who come from competitive districts and are going to get beat up by their Democratic opponent uh, for basically screwing college students. What, what do you think? I mean, the American people don't like Washington. They don't like when the parties fight you know, Democrats and Republicans, but this is a fight among Republicans that can't agree on this issue. Well, yeah, I mean, there's that old expression in St. Patrick's Day, and I'm Irish because I can say this, uh, God invented whiskey uh, to uh, keep the Irish from controlling the world, uh, and I would uh, guess that God also invented the Tea Party to keep the Republicans from controlling the world. That's ah. what's happening here. You ever hear something and know the world will never be the same? Houston, we have liftoff. Well, wait until you hear this one. Half price coffee. That's right. Get into McDonald's weekdays before 10.30 a.m. for any size premium roast coffee or iced coffee. Both made with 100% Arabica beans, both half the price. Good is brewing. And that's the sound of your morning changing. Limited time only. May not be combined with any offer or combo meal at participating McDonald's.